All right, let's get started with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, good and gracious God, I thank you and praise you for our lives and our faith. And, and Lord, I ask that you would uh, give us mercy in these days, in these days that are that are dark and getting darker. Lord, I just ask that as we um, live this reality of All Souls Day, that you would give us an eye that is fixed on heaven. Help us to realize our true end. Um, just help us to truly keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, and our eyes fixed on our heavenly home. And Lord, I pray for all souls that are near to death, but far from God, in accord with the intention, the beautiful, uh, sweet intention of Our Lady of Fatima to pray for souls that are near to death but far from God. Lord, I pray for an intervention that is redemptive, that would bring about salvation. I pray, Lord, that you would truly roll away the stone in the lives of those that are trapped in the spiritual deadness of mortal sin, even as they approach the end of their mortal life. Please, Lord, rescue them because of your holy cross. Redeem these souls, these souls that will die during this hour, during the time in which this program is heard. Save poor sinners, Lord. Jesus' mercy, save poor sinners. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it is great to be with you this morning. And um, I'm going to begin with, uh, I'm going to begin with Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening by Robert Frost. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near, between the woods and frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. Uh, that poem was just printed on my computer by my ninth grade son, John Luke. It's a poem that he has to rem uh, memorize for um, his English class. And what's fascinating is that I saw it print out and I just repeated it and without reading it. And the reason was is that when I was in 10th grade in English class with Mr. Howard, uh, no, no, Mr. Casey, I don't, I don't, gosh, isn't that funny? I got the name of the teacher wrong, but he made us memorize that poem and we had to uh, deliver it. We had to sp uh, speak the poem in front of the class. And so that's kind of wild that um, uh, all those years ago, 10th grade, wow. Um, but what, is the, what does that poem say? What does that poem speak about? Well, it speaks about pausing and contemplating in nature and just noticing the beauty of things, uh, of all of God's creation. But it's a man who is on a journey. He's on a journey. He's, he's stopped, he's paused, he's pondering, and he's on a journey, and, and he's going somewhere. He's got miles to go before he sleeps, miles to go before he sleeps. And this poem, I'm not, I'm not here to give literary criticism, but it, it really speaks to the human condition, of um, a world that is in some senses dark, in some senses cold, 
but in many ways also very beautiful. It's a, it's a world that has other people in it and other parts of God's creation. But in the end, in one way, it's a journey that each of us takes as individuals, as individual persons. We have our own journey to take that will lead us to the end of that journey. Miles to go before we sleep. As you know, in Scripture, sleep is an image of death. And, you know, some of us have fewer miles to go before we sleep, before we die. And death then brings us to our end, to and our end meaning not just the, the end of our time here on earth, but the place of fulfillment, the place of destiny, the place which is the goal, the purpose of all, comes through death. Uh, I was, uh, we had a, a gathering um, of some families on um, Sunday night, Sunday late afternoon into the evening, Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, and we gathered with some families from our church community and our uh, school community. And it was it was a delightful gathering for the kids to be able to come together. And there were some younger kids all the way up through high school kids, and they all went out as a big group uh, around the neighborhoods, uh, you know, trick-or-treating, and just had a blast together. And it was just good, clean fun. It was just beautiful, enjoyable uh, fun that the kids had. Well, one of the conversations that I had with um, one of the guests was that there is, I guess, um, strand of folks who wander around this world who are working on efforts and you know scientifically technologically attempting to design a human being in such a way that that person would never die a kind of transhumanism and I, I i said i'd heard the word before but i'd not really i was thinking maybe genetic modification and it was like no no this is like finding a way to be alive but never die. And I'm like, you mean like find a way to like, you know, like, you know, surgically remove someone's head and pop it onto a machine and be able to keep someone conscious, something like that. That would be horrible, be terrible and uh, frightening. And, and that was a goal, right? And then they're like, yeah, this is sort of the goal. And it's sort of like the next level beyond put someone in a cryogenic freeze and then wake them up when you can solve whatever disease they have, that kind of thing, right? Um, but, uh, and I was like, that's their goal because th- that for them is a good. That for them is a good. And, and I was like, oh my goodness, that is such a reversal of St. Augustine. And so here I am talking on Halloween Eve about St. Augustine and the way in which the fallen world is a reversal of the world before the fall, the world of Adam and Eve. And I'll, I'm going to tie that concept of transhumanism or this idea of somehow being alive and being able to surgically, medically, and technologically be able to remain alive here on earth, never having to die, is a good thing, and it's a complete reversal, because what Augustine said was, before the fall— Adam and Eve had the possibility of not dying. The possibility of not dying. That the world that God had created and his creation, the, the, the height of this created world here, the uh, man and woman, Adam and Eve, had these what were called preternatural gifts. 
these special graces and, and gifts that were associated with them being in communion with God, created in the image of God and being in communion with God. And death was not part of God's plan. And so death comes with original sin, and original sin has these consequences, fracturing, breaking our union with God, and leading to other dislocations and brokennesses and tragic uh, elements unfolding into the world, uh, the principle of which is what? Uh, death. Death as this ultimate sign of being out of um, perfect communion with God. And so um, they had the possibility of not dying, and then after the fall, what Augustine says is, while on earth, there is only one hopeless state. There's only one state of being while you are alive here on earth that would be considered hopeless. It's not the state of mortal sin because the Lord can redeem you. He said the only hopeless state in the fallen world is having the impossibility of dying. If it was impossible for you to die, that would be the only hopeless state here on earth. Uh, because you're stuck. You're stuck in a world that involves suffering, that, in, that involves misery, that involves sin, that involves all the bondage and slavery due to sin. And so the only hopeless state is not being able to get out of this world. And so death, which has a sting, has been overcome through Christ's resurrection. Him having gone through death has now taken upon himself all that we deserved through sin, original and personal sin, and has overcome it. He has triumphed over it, and he wants that triumph to reach our lives as well. And in doing so, to give us a way to be, li be alive, in a, a way to, to know that we can have hope in a world, in a world that even involves death. And so... Today on All Souls Day, this is important for us to reflect on. It's important for us to reflect on the ways in which we can invest so much of our time and energy, our focus and our attention on the things of this world, on the things that are going to pass away with this world, things that we can give so much attention to that all of a sudden we became anxiety and bound up. Um, I think, and I was talking to Kerry about this um, over the weekend because I, I was bound up in some ways around the reality of money. And uh, it's a really interesting thing. So uh, I'll, be, I'll be a bit transparent here. It's, it's a bit humiliating to share what I'm going to share with you. I hope it becomes humbling. I didn't just say humbling because humility is a virtue. And what I share is humiliating. I don't share it because I'm humble, but if I share it, and it is a kind of act of humiliation, I pray, Lord Jesus, please use it for my good, that it would make me humble and in some ways cleanse and detach me from greed, cleanse and detach me from the pursuit of money as a good. That's a great example, right? Aquinas will give three, and it's not like these are like any kind of secret that you didn't already know, right? F uh, money and power and fame. And, and a more modern one, you could also say, is pleasure, right? So just the, the soft life. Uh, so money, power, fame, and then you could add in a soft life, just the, the pleasure, is, is, uh, are the goals that we pursue, right? These are the things that we want. And 
when I was um, starting in on this journey as a uh, as a real estate agent, I became this agent because of my desire to help these families to move in this in this crazy world that we're in. As you know, I've been able to help lots of families in the last couple of years, and being an agent would help me do that even more fully. And um, I'm loving it. Um, but when I first sat down and met with the like the the principal, this designated broker, this principal broker for this firm I'm working with. Um, and, and, and another guy, um, what they were saying was that, you know, you'll discover that, uh, a lot of, a lot of agents are just greedy. And I'm like, whoa, that's kind of a, <laughs> kind of a dark way to look at things. And, and I was talking to him about a situation where, um, I had been working with this family and, uh, uh, another agent had come in and had served, um, this family very, very briefly and ended up getting this full commission, um, and which was quite a bit of money. And, um, and, and I said, you know what, I'm fine with it. Um, I'm fine with it because this, this, this will be a blessing to his family. This will be a blessing to him. And so, you know, this, God has all the money in the world, right? And so I'm like, and the guy's looking at me. He's like, who are you? This is not the way that people talk. And I'm like, look, there's so many people to serve. I'm not going to get all bound up around this. And um, and then I left and I started in on um, uh, helping um, another family. And all of a sudden, this situation started to emerge again. And all of a sudden, I started to get to be like Jacob, Jacob, you remember Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, Jacob and his brother Esau, right? Esau was the firstborn, but in the womb, what did Jacob do? He grabbed, he grabbed at Esau because he wanted to be the firstborn out of the womb to get the blessing of the firstborn. And so he was the grabber. Jacob wanted to grab. He wanted to make it happen. And so he fooled his father who was blind into giving him the blessing. And so Esau missed out. And so Jacob had to wrestle, right? And so for him, for Jacob to come to his authentic identity as Israel, God had to wrestle with him. And through the angel wrestling and wrestling until he finally surrendered, submitted. He had to give in. And and he didn't want to give in until he could come away with this new sense of identity. And so it's like, wow, I, you know, I've lived so many years in church ministry work where it's not, pro- it's not for profit, it's about accomplishing the mission, that I haven't had the, the, the temptations to, to greed. And all of a sudden, I, I've, I've only been doing this now, uh, you know, serving folks in, in a transactional way in real estate, you know, for a very short period. And it's like, man, this is a whole new temptation has reached my life. And I'm like, wow, God, cleanse me. Cleanse me, Lord, so that I can remain pure of heart. All right, I'm up against a break. Back in a minute with more sun. Welcome back to the program. It's great to be with you today. It's All Souls Day. It's a beautiful feast day. And uh, I just shared about this reality of cleansing, how you know, it's it's through the, the duties of our state in life. It's through the, the obstacles and difficulties that come our way that guess what happens? The Lord is going to begin to cleanse us. And the cleansing process is not easy. It is not fun. It's not fun to be humiliated, right? I'm talking to Carrie and she's like, you know, God is, God's going to use these situations to like reveal more areas of your life that need to be purified. God's going to use these areas to stretch you, 
to, to give you opportunities to be more generous, to give you opportunities to, to, to serve more. And I'm like, wow, okay, I, I better be on the alert. I better be on the lookout for that so that I have that pure heart, that pure intention. And it's like, Lord, please cleanse me. You know, cleanse me so that I can be a better vessel, a better instrument of service to you and to your people. Because my brothers and sisters, we're all on this journey, right? We're all on this journey in, in a world that is both beautiful and dark. And it's, it's a journey that we walk through together. But in the end, you will face God. And I will face God. And living in union with God, as Catholic Christian disciples of Jesus, living in that union with God, if we don't get through that cleansing now, there is a reality after death where, you know, having been saved, having been, uh, uh, been found worthy to share in the lot of the saints and light, right, being welcomed uh, to uh, heavenly union with the Lord, there will be a stage of purging, a stage of getting fully cleansed and conformed to Christ, getting fully healed from all of the brokennesses and the darknesses. It's like, if I entered heaven, the state that I was in when I died, if I entered heaven like that, that would be like Augustine state of, of being absolute hopeless because I don't want to be in heaven like this, like I am now on earth. And so it's like, it's so clear to me that, man, I got a long purgatory for the Lord to kind of stretch and cleanse and mold and shape and, and, and enlarge me to be able to receive uh, the glory that the Lord has in store for us in heaven. I'm like, wow, I better be willing to undergo it now. So anyways, I, uh, I, I just throw that out to you guys just as, as we're kind of getting launched into this, into this program on, uh, on All Souls Day um, for you to realize that you are on this journey and that this journey will involve the difficulties and trials that, that are in front of us just because of our state in life, like welcome to married life and having kids. You know, you've got the little ones running around. There are lots of trials and difficulties, tribulations that are going to reach you each and every day. But then the wider world around us as it's becoming shaken, as things that we thought were normal are breaking apart, as things that we thought were uh, safe and peaceful are breaking down, there's this something emerging. And what is that something? I, I don't know. I don't have a confidence that that first, that the, the powers that be that are pushing forward this new thing are, uh, are moving from a Catholic or Christian foundation and, and perspective. And so what that means is, brothers and sisters who walk with Christ— that Christ is going to walk with us into this world in a way that we are going to manifest blessings. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, all the way down to blessed are those who persecute you. Blessed are those who accuse you falsely for my name. For rejoice and be glad, for your name will be great in heaven, not on earth, but in heaven. And so it's going to be very important for us to, to get clear about the principles that we're going to live by, to get clear about the things that really matter if we're going to live well 
the life that God has for us. Earlier today, Carrie said to me, I was listening to this podcast, and this podcast, they said, um, if you had to share three truths that would be the uh, mottos of your life, the, the three like bits of wisdom that if you were to die today, that you would want to hand on to those you love, what would those be? And it's like, well, that's kind of a, that's kind of a nice all souls reflection. I'm like, ah, I like that. So think about that. You know, I've heard it said, well, if you were to die today, would you be um, at peace with the life you've lived? Would you be uh, satisfied with that sense of, you know, I, I feel as if I lived the life that God intended me to live. Oh, yeah, no, I could have done better. Of course, I, I did fall short, but I'm at peace. I'm content. Right? That's, that's a high bar. I, I like this bar that's a little bit lower, which is if you think about the life you've lived and today was the day to hand on three nuggets of gold, three uh, polished pieces of wisdom that came out of the, the furnace of your lived experience, what would those three truths be that you'd want to hand on to those you love and, well, into the world? So I'm like, oh, I got this. And so here are the three truths. And uh, you may not be that surprised with them, but I, I actually think that it, it was a great exercise. It, it was a great exercise because I would say that the, tr- the three truths that live the deepest in you are probably truths that you ought to be able to name pretty quickly. The truths that like will bubble up and just come out of you because they're so deeply rooted in you. So for me, the first one was, it's all a gift. All is gift. And she said, well, you know, I, I know that you say that, but just tell me, what do you mean by that? Break that open for me. And I said, well, I would say that all is gift in two senses. The first is that all that you are and all that you have is a gift from God, that you're a creature dependent upon God. And he has free, freely created you to be alive, to be his. And as such, this is the second, second aspect you're precious and unique. You're irreplaceable, one of a kind. And there'll only be one instance of you in all of human history. And there's something at stake in that life. that It's all a gift. It's all a gift. And so I said that would be the first nugget that I would want that those are around me. Like my kids. It's like, do my kids know that? Do my kids know that it's all a gift? And then I see them as a gift in those, mean, in those senses. The second, the second uh, truth was um, live magnanimously. You heard me mention this yesterday um, on Sound Insight when uh, I was saying to Carrie, oh no, it was on Friday when I said to Carrie, what's my favorite virtue in the second part of the second part of the Summa Theologica? And I said it was magnanimity. right? And, but I would say that that is a truth that is really deeply alive in me live magnanimously. I want to live a life not of half measures. I want to live a life that is poured out, that is spent, that is given over. Lord, I don't want any bit of my energy, attention, and time wasted on useless things, on little things. But Lord, please, and this is what I would say, devote yourself to noble, great, godly causes. 
do great things as a steward of this one life that God has given to you. Don't settle for comfort and ease. Don't settle for things that the world would tell you are important. No, strive with all your might to give more than you receive, to extend yourself with patience and courage to accomplish the mission that is yours. Now, so that's my second point. And, uh, and it, it's like, yes, that just rings true for me, for the life I want to live. And then what was the third one? Well, the third one was, don't take yourself too seriously. Do not take yourself too seriously. And that means don't take your wealth too seriously. Don't take your fame too seriously. Don't take your position of power, of influence too seriously. Those things, they just dissolve. But take seriously that God takes you seriously. The decisions you make, how you spend your life energy, how you spend your today, what you do with the life you have has an impact, first of all, on you for your forever. That there is something at stake in how you live. It's your forever. Don't take yourself too seriously. Take seriously that God has a forever in store for you. And he takes seriously how you live this life. How you live this life is going to be something that you will live with forever. Time without end. So remember that heaven is your true home. The things that the world values and tells you to pursue just not that important. In fact, they can entangle you, enslave you, and lead you into lies. Just not that important. What's important is honoring God. And so uh, that's the third truth. So it's all a gift. Live magnanimously. And don't take yourself too seriously. Live hilariously. Live with hilarity. And, and there's, something about, there's something about that, that hilarity, that is so important because if you only heard the first two, it's all a gift and live magnanimously, you could, you could get pretty serious, right? You could get pretty intense. You could get like overly like, um, you know, uh, like dreary or, or angry or frustrated. So they're, they're, the, the hilarious, the hilaritas is about this sense of just the ability to laugh, to, to, to laugh at oneself. Like if I can laugh at myself, I'm like, man, why do I think such little thoughts? Why do I get caught up in things that just aren't that important? They're just not. And it's like, okay, God, thank you. That's really, really helpful, Lord. Thank you for, for humbling me, right? And, and just the freedom that comes from laughing. I think there's something beautifully graceful about that capacity to laugh. So those are my three. What about you? What would you say? I, I, I'd love to hear from you. 
if you have uh, the three truths that would be those nuggets of gold that you'd want uh, to pass on to those that, that you love, uh, that those that are around you would somehow see like, oh yeah, I see how that truth is part of your life. Um, let me know. You can email me. You can, or just, you can email me or just get in touch with me by going to my website, mycatholicfaith.org. Go to mycatholicfaith.org. There's a contact uh, button right there where you can leave me a message or you can just email me, tom at mycatholicfaith.org. Tom at mycatholicfaith.org. And so um, love to be able to hear from you. And as always, just to get feedback as well. If you're enjoying these programs, um, love to be able to know how we're doing. You can also just remember to subscribe to the podcast, the Dr. Tom Curran podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can get to it by going to mycatholicfaith.org. Just click on podcast. And then you can click on the button and subscribe to Apple Podcasts. Okay, it's All Souls Day. Yesterday was All Saints Day. And uh, two beautiful feast days because, uh, simply put, All Saints Day becomes a beautiful way to recognize that there are way more saints in heaven than there are days on the liturgical calendar to honor. And in addition to this, and I love this insight, I heard it in a homily, that um, All Saints Day is a way of affirming that one day isn't enough to contain the radiance of holiness, the beautiful witness of life, the glorious example, the wondrous and, and uh, um, uh, the, the wondrous and uh, elevated teaching, the the mystical um, uh, insights that were shared through so many saints, and so on All Saints Day, it's a way to call them all back to mind again, and to to realize that they are this great cloud of witnesses that are now cheering us on to to join their company to be with them around the throne of God, praising God with the angels and this, and uh, the, this uh, crowd too great to count. Right? If you had the wonderful blessing of going to Mass on All Saints Day, reading from the book of Revelation, John, the, uh, the writer of, of Revelation, gets caught up into heaven and is brought to a, a vision of the throne of God. And there, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's this four living creatures often uh, identified as the four gospel writers, but there are other meanings as well. And there's 24 creatures, 12 apostles, 12 tribes of Israel, again, symbolic, but very rich in meaning. And then you have this innumerable, this, this innumerable multitude of, of human beings and angels around the throne of God worshiping him, worshiping God night and day. Um, and, and just gloriously alive, right? And when I get to hear, um, uh, when I get to hear um, singing in harmony of great hymns in our tradition, uh, I'll, I'll hear it in very beautiful ways at uh, the, uh, the high mass of the traditional Latin mass, uh, the choir singing. It, it is so elevating. It just lifts the spirit. I should say it lifts my spirit. It just gives me that sense of we are being drawn into heaven. But all of that, just it, it just is a, it's like the faintest, dullest echo of the glorious praise that is being sung in heaven that we will one day join hope to God. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. And, um, you know, I did um, mention earlier 
about the fact that uh, I do this real estate work now, and, and it's really part of a bigger ministry, right? I'll talk about it more in some other program, um, but it's really an attempt to help families who are discerning this refuge that they're seeking, whether they're moving within a particular area, like within the Puget Sound area, or whether they're moving here to the eastern part of uh, Washington or into Idaho, uh, I would love to serve you. And so if I can serve you in that discernment, for me, it's so much more than buying or selling a home. It's about helping you find the right next steps for your family. And, and for whatever those reasons are, if I could be of service to you or if someone you know who would approach that, um, that action of, of buying and selling um, with a sense of discernment, with a sense of, you know what, I, I want to do this wisely and well, I'd love to be able to serve those folks. Again, so um, I'll, I'll kind of uh, I'm kind of developing the ways to make it easy for you all to be in touch with me if if that's you or someone you know. In the meantime, you can always just reach out to me um, on uh, on the webpage mycatholicfaith.org. You can just contact me that way, or just email me at tom at mycatholicfaith.org. Okay, so All Souls Day uh, is today, and so All Souls Day is really about us recognizing that there are canonized saints. And that anyone who makes it to heaven, yes, is a saint. But each of us is this precious soul, this precious gift, called to live in in such a way that we too would radiantly live that life of sanctity while we're here on earth, fulfill the God-given mission that is ours, and in doing so, prepare ourselves to join in that wonderful, eternal worship of our Heavenly Father, through the Son, in the Spirit, uh, a great hymn of praise of God, that that's where we're headed. That's actually where we're headed. And and I got to tell you, part of the gift of the the, the, the COVID wackiness and, and craziness and, and the, the things that have unfolded around it in the past 16, 18 months is a shaking of, a shaking loose of the idea that somehow this world is all so comfortable and fine that we can just lose ourselves in it. And we are quickly being disavowed of that and quickly waking up to the fact that the life that we thought we had is fading away and something new that requires a vastly different way of relating to our lives, our neighborhoods, our communities, uh, and the decisions we're making for them changing rapidly. And so it's, it's sort of like that was it Boxing Day tsunami, right? We get the video of the, the 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 tide gets going out further and further and further and further, and they're like, "What is going on?" And people kind of walking down the beach further and further, fascinated by the fact that, wow, we've never seen the beach so, uh, re- you know, uh, withdrawn further out into the ocean. And it's like, what is going on? And then out in the far distance, people are starting to notice this whole crest coming towards them. And people start screaming, get out, get out, get out. Because sure enough, that tidal wave and that entire tsunami is going to just completely just wash away and, and destruct a, and to destroy literally just lives and communities, buildings and everything that they know just washed away, just destroyed. And it's just all unfolding right in front of them. And it's like, wow, we are going through in some ways a quite a tsunami in the Catholic Church itself, just washing away destructively so much of what we thought was just a wonderfully flourishing faith in church. 
and then in the in the wider world around us, same things happening. Okay, that's not the theme of today's program. I do bring up those things now and again, but All Souls Day also does give us that point to reflect on. So yesterday, if you were listening to Sound Insight, I had mentioned I had an outline prepared, this wonderful outline prepared to go over with Father Nagel and Father Lewis, and we got to one quote. And so today on the program, in the time that remains, I'm going to just go over just a few of these quotes and questions, because uh, I think they're really they're really helpful and, uh, and and quite inspiring, some of them. So the, the one quote we, that we did get to was the Léon Boulois quote, the only real sadness, the only real failure, the only great tragedy in life is not to become a saint. The only real sadness, the only real failure, the only great tragedy in life is not to become a saint. And, you know, that what, what is, what's behind that kind of quote? What's behind that quote is someone who has their eyes on eternity, someone who has their eyes on forever, someone who has their eyes on the reality that what happens after death is actually more significant than what happens before death in one way, uh, because what happens after death endures. What goes on before death it actually is going to be the precursor to what happens after death. And so you don't want to get that wrong. You don't want to get the real meaning of life wrongly. And so if we realize we're called to be saints, then let's just stop and ask ourselves, does our life reflect it? Does how I'm living reflect it? Does how I'm thinking, how I'm speaking, my behaviors, my attitudes, does it reflect it? That's the great sadness is that it doesn't always. Okay, um, next one is from Soren Kierkegaard. Here we go. Non-saint, non-Catholic, but a brilliant philosopher in his own right in certain ways. Very... Um, he was sort of a, let's call it a precursor to existentialism, um, but uh, like very um, aware of inner states as he is reflecting philosophically on them. And this is what he wrote. God creates out of nothing. Wonderful, you say, yes, to be sure. But he does what is still more wonderful. He makes saints out of sinners. God creates out of nothing. Wonderful, you say. Yes, to be sure. But he does what is still more wonderful. He makes saints out of sinners. You stop and say, what? Why is that true? Making saints out of sinners is somehow even more wonderful than creating out of nothing? Well, it, it actually reminds me of a quote. I believe this is Augustine. I believe. I could be wrong. Augustine who said that um, God created us without us but he redeems us with us. So the idea here is that we didn't resist being created, but we can resist being redeemed. God doesn't need us to will our creation. No, he willed our creation, and we were brought into existence. But for the Lord to make us saints, for the Lord to transform us into living holy lives? Well, guess what? That requires our cooperation. That means that he nudges, beckons, applies the pressure of grace, nudges us along, and ultimately provides us with the open door 
to be transformed into the likeness of Christ by being intimately brought into union with Christ. And that, that gift cost the Father, the Son, the Son's life. Jesus Christ suffered and died so that we could live. And that is more wonderful, that he can take us who fail him daily, who fall short regularly, who settle for less continuously. And he says, I got this. I'm bigger than that. I'm not caught off guard and surprised, but watch what I can do if you give me room. And so I say, amen, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you can make a saint out of a sinner. And so I say, sign me up from a sinner. Please make me a saint. Make that prayer. Say a prayer like that. I don't know, if you start praying like that, you just might find that Things start moving. Things start moving in your life. A couple other quotes build off of this. This is from St. Thomas Beckett. St. Thomas Beckett said, All saints give testimony to the truth that without real effort, no one ever wins the crown. All saints give testimony to the truth that without real effort, no one ever wins the crown. And and you know what? There's a way in which that f- like lives in tension with the previous quote. Are you tracking with me? It's the Lord who makes saints out of sinners. And we get rescued and we we cooperate, right? But it's the Lord who's taking the initiative. It's the Lord who gets his arm behind us and starts pulling us up. It's 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 the Lord's work. It seems to be all a gift. It's all a gift. Yeah, but it one of the things that the gift does is it stirs effort. It stirs serious effort. It stirs committed, intentional, even courageous sacrificial effort on our parts that isn't generating grace, but it's cooperating with grace. It's following after the inspiration of grace. And so it's, it's the Lord who's saying, I'm asking you to move with me, and so you have to move too, because I'm moving you. I'll pick up on this theme in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It's great to be with you today. It's All Souls Day. And I'm going to make sure that I do spend at least a couple of minutes in this last segment just talking about purgatory. Because in some ways, uh, here's this quote I just gave that you can't be, um, no, all saints give testimony to the truth without real effort. No one ever wins the crown. That's St. Thomas Beckett. That, yeah, it's all gift, but that gift also stirs into flame real effort. And how much effort? Well, let's go to the next quote. This is from The Little Flower, St. Therese of Lisieux. You cannot be half a saint. You cannot be half a saint. You must be a whole saint or no saint at all. Now remember, she died when she was 24. So this is a, you know, wise, graced wisdom in this doctor of the church. You cannot be half a saint. You must be a whole saint or no saint at all. And so I, I hear that, I read that, 
and you hear that and it again it builds off of this reality that's all gift right and god's doing something wonderful but that wonderful thing that god is doing requires us to do some serious determined cooperation faith without works is dead and so god graces us with faith and that faith then prompts us to work even courageously even sacrificially even through suffering magnanimously there it is again and because what the lord wants to forge in us is not half a saint because there is no such thing but being all in not only is all a gift but because it's all a gift it calls forth from us being all in and so i love that i love that that beautiful quote from the little flower and what happens when we don't live all in what happens when god's grace we respond to it god's grace we say yes to it god's grace we welcome it we enjoy it we are blessed by it but then the foundation that we build on that foundation of our yes with christ we don't build on it with gold silver and precious gems but rather with wood hay and stumble a stubble that's, by the way, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 10, I believe, to 15. St. Paul talks about this building on the foundation that uh, Christ and saying yes to him establishes in our lives. We all build, but differently, based on what? Our response to the gift. And are we building with gold, silver, and precious gems or with wood, hay, and stubble? How much real, serious effort are we putting in? And you know what St. Paul says? The day will disclose it. The day will disclose it, meaning our judgment day, the judgment day, our day, <laughs> our day before the judge is going to disclose, it's going to be a bright, shining spotlight, inescapable, just me before Jesus, and it's going to examine my life. Did I hold back? Did I give over? Did I settle for less? When did I give magnanimously? Right? These are the these are the real questions. And um, and the day will disclose it, and it will come with fire. And fire will test each man's work. And it says that you know uh, there there are those well in the fire it's just gonna it's gonna do what it's gonna cause the gold silver precious gems just to shine that much more brightly radiantly gloriously and the others will be saved but only as through fire whoa they'll be saved but only as through fire gee sound like anything we know well sounds like the teaching on purgatory purging cleansing getting things right, making up for the damage we've caused, getting cleansed and, and forgiven of those places in our lives where we see the impacts of living half-hearted lives, half-measured lives. And so purgatory is an act of God's mercy to make up for all of those ways that we have fallen short in our yes to the Lord. Sad, but true. And so the, if you take, I, I'm going to have to look into this like uh, in other programs going forward during the, um, these last 
few weeks of the liturgical year, it becomes a time to reflect on what are called the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And in the midst of that, I can talk about purgatory, but it's a very natural thing to be talking about purgatory right now because of All Souls Day. So on All Saints Day, it's a great day, and I hope you did this yesterday. Um, Ask the Lord to increase the relationship that that you have and that your family members have with the saints in heaven. Increase the familiarity, the affection, the devotion, the nearness, the tenderness, the communication and communion between the great saints in heaven and your life on earth. Don't be shy. Like, listen. Listen and sense and see if there's a saint that might be uh, assigned, you know, that, that the Lord might be prompting you to become more familiar with in order to be blessed by that saint's attention and intercession in your regard. Now, how amazing is that? And so don't leave that on the sidelines. So ask for that and see what happens. You know, I, um, I love Padre Pio, St. Pio. And, um, you know, 35 years ago, discovered St. Padre Pio. And he has kind of come and gone out of prominence in my own life of prayer. And more recently, in the last year, he has reemerged more insistently in my own prayer. I didn't choose it. It just bubbled up. So see which saint bubbles up <laughs> in your own prayer. See if anything like that happens. Ask. See what happens. Okay. But today's All Souls Day. And All Souls Day, we're not focused so much on the church triumphant, namely the church in heaven. And we are the church militant. That's the church on earth. So there's another church. The, the other state of being of the church is the church suffering and that's the souls in purgatory. And if if you um, are if you grew up in a in a devout Catholic home, if you uh, are around sort of Catholics that have a devotional spirit, you'll often hear we pray for the souls in purgatory, especially for those who have none to pray for them. Think about that. Think about the blessing that you have as a Catholic. For when you die, there will be Catholics around you that know to pray for you, to pray for you, to um, complete your time, your complete that reality of that purgation that, that is yours in purgatory. What a gift. What a gift. If, if I die and, and, and you, you are still around, <laughs> pray for me. Pray for me to, to get through purgatory because there's a lot of cleansing. There's a lot of purging that needs to, to happen to me. And so please pray for me. Look it, I got to say that, and I say that with verve and sincerity, and, and I hope that you remember it, but how many, how many people are walking this earth that die and are not part of traditions that embrace the doctrine of purgatory? And as a result, there's none that pray for them. They might fondly remember them, miss them, but they don't pray for them. And that must be hard. It must be hard for them. Uh, that they don't get to do that. But maybe not, maybe because it couldn't even cross their mind. But um, there are so many people in, in in that boat who have died and have none to pray for them. And so 
I, I love that devotion. Um, the other part of it is it becomes a really beautiful and powerful way to connect and maintain and nurture that sense of connection between life on earth and life after death, life beyond death. When you pray for these souls, that sense of you still know me, I still know you. We can still be in communication, not just we will hold this one in our hearts. No, no, we actually will commune with this one in our souls. We will commune and be with this one at Mass. We can sense this one loving us and caring for us as well. How many stories have you heard of Catholics who prayed for a loved one that had uh, departed this earth, and they prayed for them until they had a sign that they didn't need to pray any longer, that their loved one was now in heaven? I, through the 30-plus years I've been in ministry, that I, so many times I've heard that kind of story. And, and it's beautiful because it's an, it's an indicator of that beautiful sense of Catholic faith and appreciation for this communion between the, the church suffering, the church beyond death, but not yet triumphant, and the church here on earth, the church militant. And so what a beautiful gift to offer, to pray for the souls in purgatory. And so on this All Souls Day, pray for your loved ones your loved ones that have died recently in the last few years. I know that many of, there are many uh, widows and widowers listening, many out there who have lost loved ones, family members, and don't forget to pray for them. I think of Uncle Khan, my Uncle Khan, who died just a couple of weeks ago. Pray for him today, Tom. Pray for those loved ones that have died in the past year or two. My Uncle Gerald, pray for him. And so beautiful thing to do. Go to Mass, pray for the souls in purgatory, especially in your own families. All right, I'm up at the end of my program. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.